I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Here comes a lightning bolt. Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go. We've been away for a while, mostly recovering from the stomping the Chargers got from the Patriots, but the gang is back. Jamie Hoyle and I are here now, together, and together we are the Lightning Round Podcast, and since it was so bad, let's kick it off with a message that might lift our spirits a little bit from our good friend, Liam. Hi, this is Liam from Bellflower. We had such a good season, and it was a little bit disappointing that we didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but it was the best one of my life. Can't wait for next year. Thanks, and go Charger. Liam, it was also one of the best seasons of my lifetime. I've seen <laughs> maybe three or four seasons like that. Um, I, of course, was around for the Super Bowl season when they got stomped in the Super Bowl instead of in the divisional round of the playoffs <laughs> by the 49ers. Um, so I've seen that and a couple other really good seasons. But, yes, it was a great season. Uh, we're glad you're excited for next season and that you enjoyed the season. And, as always, we're glad that you decided to send us a message and tell us what you're thinking. So thank you very much for checking in, and thank you for being our favorite little listener. Yeah, and the perfect way to kick off the season and move straight on to the off season, And also, Liam, don't hang up so quickly. We want to hear what you have to say. It's always cut off at the end. So make sure we hear every word, okay? Don't hang up so quickly, but appreciate it. Thanks for calling in, little man. Thank you, Liam. And Liam's not the only one who's in good spirits because, 
As Jamie and I have been talking, there were a lot of generous people who donated a lot after that loss. I don't know if it was in pain, in sympathy, in thanks to our content during the season, but thank you to everybody. And the first one goes out to Ian Argonon. He sent in a donation and said, here's for giving me something to listen to instead of college lectures. Thank you, Ivan. In fact, we're the only teachers you need. You, so, so learn from <laughs> us, Ivan. <laughs> Next is from Matthew Lewis. It says, hi, guys. Chargers fan in the UK here. Started following American football as a teenager in the 80s when we had an hourly highlight show on, the, on UK. Didn't really have a team back then, but I worked – Worked in San Diego for six months in 1998-1999 and watched every Chargers home game when I was there and became a fan. 98 and 99, I think those were some rough years, if I'm not mistaken. That <laughs> yep. was just a couple of years. That was the Mike Riley era, maybe the Kevin Gilbride era, right before they got LT. So he stuck through some bad times there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, felt undecided about what to do when we moved to L.A., but when that season started, I couldn't let go. Easier for me over here, I guess. Uh, was incredible to celebrate my 50th birthday this year by seeing the Chargers win in London. I've learned so much about the game, strategies, and tactics from this podcast than any other source and can't wait for each episode. Thanks for your hard work and dedication, and it's much appreciated. Use this small gift however you like. Matt. Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much. Yeah, Matt. Thank you very much for the kind words and for the donation. We appreciate it. Yes. Uh, next up, Kevin Dupius for being way better than the other guys and for not wasting our time with annoying ads. Keep it up. Well, get ready, Kevin, because I don't know. There might be some ads in your future. (laughs) 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 Spoke too soon. (laughs) But they won't be annoying. They'll be good ads, right? Of course, yes. They won't be a waste of your time. No. Um, (laughs) Next one is from Josh Albrickson, who says, You guys do amazing stuff and are by far my second favorite podcast behind the daily. This is for all the great work you do to help Charger fans enjoy being Charger fans more, and I appreciate it. Josh, only your second favorite? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We can't take a compliment. (laughs) We can. We can. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. We appreciate it. Always got to be the best. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Thanks, Josh. Next up, Jack Thompson. Well, it was a fun season, and you guys made it even better. Enjoy reviewing punter tape for the draft. Nope, not us, Jack. You got the wrong (laughs) podcast. I think Matthew Stanley might be coming back with a punter podcast, or maybe you can talk – Mike Peterson into doing it. I know he used to be a punter. He'd be a good source for punter tape. Well, actually, we might not even have to discuss it because the Chargers drafted Ty Long from the CFL, or picked him up at least, and uh, he was a CFL punter. So maybe we don't have to talk about punter tape after all. Not that we were going to anyway. No. Uh-uh. But. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an important part no, of the game, uh-uh. right? We don't need to study that. Uh-uh. <laughs> Next one is from... Uh, I see you left this one for me. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's too many vowels for me. I <laughs> it gets lost in my mouth, so I give it to you. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll give it a shot. Yuri Pavlenin. Yuri Pavlenin. That sounds right to me. We'll hey, go with it. That's close uh, enough. <laughs> I've been a teetotaler for almost 36 years. I don't know what a teetotaler is. I'm assuming that's a soccer reference. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I know. The American guys don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Watching this game made me want to start drinking. Seeing as you guys have to recap that shit fest, buy a couple of drinks on my behalf. Appreciate all that you do. Here's the next season. 
thanks from Helsinki. Uh, no, we are not. We are not recapping that shit fest. By the way, uh, <laughs> no. we made that decision pretty much as soon as that game hit halftime. Yeah, that we were not going to recap that game. But thank you for the donation and thank you for the kind words. We appreciate it. I'm assuming teetotaler means he's sober and doesn't drink because he said that game oh, makes yeah. me want to start drinking. So okay. I'm gonna guess. He's been sober for 36 That's years. I don't know. That's probably but. a good guess. That's probably a good guess. We'll go with that. <laughs> but he, he only drinks tea, I guess. <laughs> I, we're two dumb Americans. <laughs> so thank you. From we're the ugly Americans. Yes, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Uh, Steven Paisano, here's whatever was left on my PayPal. Was laying in bed thinking about this horrendous game and thought about how you guys have to watch it again. We didn't. Uh, it was a fun season, <laughs> and you guys made it all the more better. Go enjoy some time off and this, and can't wait for the wrap-up free agent podcast. Thanks, guys. Uh, wrap-up podcast, outdoor free agent podcast, coming up during free agency. Yes, we'll do the free agent podcast in a couple mo- or a couple weeks, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, what, six weeks? Five, yeah. six weeks, mm-hmm. something like that. Thank you for the donation, Stephen. We appreciate it. Uh, not sure I ha- how I feel about you laying in bed thinking about us, but uh, we do appreciate the kind words and the <laughs> donations. So thank you. <laughs> Dreaming about your favorite podcast. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, next one is from Ben Jacobson. Thanks for the season, guys. Your insights make it way more fun to watch. Can't wait for draft prep. I'm guessing we're looking at linebackers. I would think so. Linebackers, <laughs> offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Free yes, safety. Hopefully. And last but not least, uh, and least, not least, uh, Kirk Medeiros. Been a huge fan. Appreciate your hard work. Sad to end the season, but love the wins the Chargers had. Here's to buy some beer for draft prep. Cheers. Thank you, everybody. I feel like this is the most fun we've had reading donations so. ever. <laughs> <laughs> Are we loopy from... <laughs> the end of the we season? must still be punch drunk from, the end of that, from that last game <laughs> it's been weeks well uh so that does it for the donations thank you so much everybody uh don't forget we're on paypal uh we are on venmo as well under lightning round you can find us both there again no expectations appreciate you guys all doing that uh but you don't have to but thank you we are appreciative and uh we love you for it so Let's go ahead and move on to questions. We've got one today before we move on to free agency. We're going to do lots of stuff today. We're going to do restructures. We're going to do cuts. We're going to do contract extensions. And we're going to go over the restricted free agents, the exclusive rights free agents. We're going to go over the unrestricted free agents all in-house for the Chargers. So we're going to talk about it in a second. But we have a question from Neil. Hey, guys. Neil from Orange County, California. Greatly appreciate the work you guys do. You guys are by far the best Chargers podcast that's out there right now. Quick question for you about Mike Williams. I've been wa- listening to you guys for a long time, and I know that that Jamie wasn't too happy with uh, with the Chargers taking Mike Williams at the number seven pick in the first round. I've been pretty happy with his performance thus far this season overall. In your opinion, Jamie and Garrett, do you believe that he does justify being the seventh pick overall in the first round? I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Thanks, guys. He addressed you, Jamie, yeah, so I guess I'll let you start. And I just to kind of take a little 
blame off you for a second. And to be fair, I didn't care for the pick either. I don't know why you're getting all the hit for this one. So I, I don't, I don't want you to bear the load by yourself. Thank uh, you. We both did not <laughs> like the pick, but uh, he addressed you personally, Jamie. So how are you feeling about Mike Williams now? And does he warrant the number seven pick? I will say, to be fair, I will say he somewhat exceeded my expectations this year. Um, the touchdown total was very nice. Uh, he made some nice contested grabs. He became a nice red zone weapon. He kind of filled the role that I thought he would. Uh, he stretched the field a little bit more than I thought. Uh, I still think, you know, for a number seven pick, uh, I'd still like to see him be more consistent, kind of up and down. He may have a couple big games, then disappear for a few games. He had a few games without any catches, a couple games without any targets. So still not a consistent weapon. Not all his fault. He's competing with target, competing for targets, uh, you know, with guys like Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen and, uh, Austin Eckler and, of course, Tyrell Williams. One of those guys is not going to be around to compete for, for catches next year. So he should hopefully get more targets and have more opportunities. And we'll see what he does with those. I think, um, but I think he exceeded my expectations to an extent. Is he worth the number seven pick? I would still say no, but I would say he's probably trending in the right direction. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Mike Williams has been very impressive, especially when you think about the turnaround year two, and uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch, especially this season. And this isn't a cop-out, but it does also feel a little early to be making that assessment, whether he warranted the number seven pick or not. Ten touchdowns is great. That was tied for seventh overall in the NFL, which is great. I mean, he beat out like... Michael Thomas, you know, just looking at the stats, like Michael Thomas and uh, Stefan Diggs, not that he's better than those wide receivers, but to get uh, that kind of production out of your number two wide receiver is impressive. So I don't know if you say that uh, wide receiver two with 10 touchdowns is worth a number seven pick. You'd think a top 10 pick is like a wide receiver one, wide receiver one that changes your offense type of player. But the Chargers also don't need him to be one of those. So if you're saying standalone is his play worth a number seven pick, probably not. I would agree with you there. But if you're for the Chargers, for what they needed him for, sure. I mean, I think you got more than enough. Uh, if you were getting him to be a high-end wide receiver too, I think he's done that so far. Uh, we don't know how that will uh, pan out for the next couple of years, but he is definitely trending in the right direction and a very impressive 2018 season. Yeah, I mean, you know, he had some a couple of really big games against the Chiefs, who have one of the worst secondaries in the league. So, a <laughs> uh, um, couple of those big games, you know, uh, he the game in Kansas City was amazing, and that's the game that I think everybody kind of clings to when they talk about him being worth the, the number seven overall pick. Is mm -hmm. look at that game in Kansas City, all the touchdowns, the two point conversion, and he did. He stepped. We talked about it at the time. He stepped up in a big way after that game, put up some big numbers with Keenan on the shelf. Did a fantastic job, and then he was kind of up and down after that. And then that's kind of, that was kind of the story of his season. I'd still like to see him improve as a route runner. I think his route running is not all that great, and he runs a pretty limited route tree. Um, and for a guy who was hailed as a jump ball monster, he dropped more contested catches than I would have liked to see last year. Um, I'd like to see him catch the ball with his hands more instead of trapping it against his body, which is his go-to. But he made a lot of big plays. The 10 touchdowns were huge, came up really big in a couple big spots where they needed him to. So, like I said, trending in the right direction, very productive, and we'll see how he does. Uh, we'll talk about Tyrell Williams here in a little bit, but we'll see how he does with the likely expectation that Tyrell probably leaves in free agency. 
we'll see how Mike does with what you would assume will be a larger role in the offense and more opportunities to make plays. Yep. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into it. And before we get into internal free agents, let's do a little house cleaning, if you will. We'll talk about restructures, some cuts, and some extensions. Let's go ahead and start with restructures. And as we'll do it, uh, this is what we would do in terms of restructures and cuts and extensions. And then when we get into um, all those players, we'll talk about whether we think the Chargers will do it as well. And then we'll do the same getting into free agents. So let's start with restructures. Uh, any players, if you're playing GM, Jamie, here, any players you're going to restructure this offseason? Yes, I have two. So my first restructure is Philip, And this is going to sound a little bit like an extension, and I guess it technically is, but it kind of it falls under a restructure because of a loophole in the way that teams have been restructuring contracts lately. So the way this basically works is the Charger would go to Philip, Chargers would go to Philip and say, hey, we want to tack two years onto your deal, but we want to keep you under the terms of your current deal for 2019 and add on 2020 and 2021 as a quote unquote extension. And what they do is they take the bonus money from 2019. He's owed $13 million in bonuses in 2019 or 12, excuse me, $12 million in bonuses in 2019. And you take $5 million of his base salary in 2019, which is $11 million. And you roll that into a new bonus for a new deal and you sign him to a two-year quote-unquote extension worth $50 million with $25 million in guarantees. So basically, you reduce his base salary in 2019 from $11 million to $6 million. Um, he would wind up getting base salaries of $9.5 million in each of the next two years. Then you would have $25 million in quote-unquote new guarantees, which would be prorated or spread evenly over all three years of a quote-unquote new deal at an annual cost of $8,333,333 per year. So you wind up looking at Philip making fourteen. Million, little over fourteen, so fourteen three, fourteen million three hundred thirty-three thousand three hundred thirty-three dollars in twenty nineteen, and then in each of the next two years, he'd make seventeen million eight hundred thirty-three thousand three hundred thirty-three dollars. Um, you wind up saving the team eight, almost eight point seven million dollars against the cap in twenty nineteen by doing things this way. You get him for two years. You save yourselves almost nine million dollars. Seems like a win-win. Philip gets two more years. He's still getting the same money he would have been getting in 2019. It's just spread out over the life of the deal. Team gets some cap relief. Basically, everybody wins. And they get to put, hopefully, put more talent around him to help get over the hump next year. So that's what I would do. I think there's probably a pretty good chance the Chargers approach something like this. Um, and I think something gets done with Philip because he's always been willing to you know, make these kinds of concessions for the team when he has to, to, to bring more talent in. Yeah, that's actually my one and only restructure. Uh, same exact thing. Uh, you would tack on two more years. I guess the uh, only thing that I would add is uh, after the 2020 season, I would give myself a ripcord just in case, you know, Philip Rivers is getting up there and, uh, you know, he's looks he's ready to go in 2019. You got 2020. Hopefully he doesn't fall apart, but if the wheels come off, 
you know, he's at that age where it could just fall off a cliff and fall fast. So uh, it'd be nice to get that little ripcord. Telesco did it in Rivers' current contract. So it'd be a nice cover just in case. That's the only thing I would add, and that's a little bit more specific than just, you know, prorating bonuses and everything you're talking about. So uh, I would do the same exact thing. And, you know, this gives Telesco the opportunity, like you were talking about, to make some moves. I mean, this might be the season, if not this season, next season, where Telesco's got to push the chips in. He's got to start making that run. I mean, there's if you're talking about a window where the Chargers have the Super Bowl window, they have a window right now, as small as it could be because Rivers is old and age now, that he's got to put some more talent around him, and they have got to push for that Super Bowl run. So to give them, you know, almost nine million dollars this year to play around with gives Telesco some uh, extra cash to make some power moves. We'll talk about some cuts that'll free up some more cash. Um, but yeah, I think adding on a couple more years to Rivers is a big deal uh, before he gets the free agency, and it takes care of business, gives him extra money now, uh, gives him some time to put some players around rivers while they still can. So uh, that's the restructure I would do as well. What's your second restructure? My second restructure is something kind of similar with Russell Okun. Not a huge restructure, not a big change, but you know he's got two years left on his contract. Um, what I would do, and this is kind of a loophole the teams have been lo- using for the last few years, is I would go to him and I would pitch converting $4 million in his base salary for 2019 into a signing bonus. Um, what that does is it basically wipes out the existing contract, creates a new two-year contract in its place, and the $4 million that you convert to a bonus money winds up being prorated over the two years. So while you're taking $4 million off of his 2019 salary, what you're really doing is you are saving yourself $2 million in 2019 via the proration. So Okung is due a $13 million base salary in 2019. So if you convert four million of that to bonus on a new quote unquote new restructured deal, he want you wind up reducing his um, his base pay to eleven million dollars, and you would wind up reducing his cap number from just under sixteen million dollars to just under fourteen million dollars, and save the team two million. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okung is one of mine, and I get moving the money around for Okung. I do actually like the way his contract is set up. Uh, he's definitely going to be the tackle, the left tackle, going into 2019. But if for whatever reason in 2020 he falls apart somehow, it would cost the team $2.5 million to cut him, and the team will save $13.5 million. So saving money is always a plus when you can move the bonus around. They did set themselves up 
nicely for this Okung deal. Yeah, they did. They basically set it up as a two-year deal. Yeah. I mean, even if they were to cut them this year, which they won't, but if they were going to, you know, with that $13 million base salary and he's got a cap number of just under $16 million, and I think he's got $5 million in bonuses left, you'd still save $10 million if you cut him this year as opposed to next year. So yeah. they've got a couple of opportunities to cut him if he if he really starts to take a nosedive in terms of production. So mm-hmm. that was another one of those you know coupon clipping deals by Telesco where he did a really good job of getting somebody you know on a backloaded deal where they can cut him halfway through the deal or three year three years into a four year deal and save themselves some money. Yeah, yeah, nice little uh, safety net there at the end of that contract. I liked it. All right, so you and I are both restructuring Philip Rivers' deal. We're giving him two more years. We agree on that. And then you are also going to move some money around for Russell Okung. So let's go ahead and just move on to outright cutting guys. We've restructured guys. We like guys, but we want to get some more money moved around. Now we're getting rid of the – we're cutting the fat. We're trimming it now here. So I've got three, and I'll go ahead and start. And the first ones, I I think they're all – Pretty easy, but the first one is Travis Benjamin. Benjamin's set to make $6.5 million. By cutting Benjamin, it costs $1.25 million. The team saves $5.25 million. Benjamin was initially signed to be that wide receiver, too, next to Keenan Allen, and he was going to be the savior on special teams. He's now wide receiver four behind Keenan Allen, Mike, and Tyrell Williams. He lost his returner spot. The Chargers cannot spend $6.5 million on a gadget player who had less than 20 touches on offense last season. Now, I know there were some vital catches in Kansas City, but even so, Benjamin couldn't be on the roster next year. And you've got guys like Artavis Scott and Jeremy Davis and even the sixth-round pick, Dylan Cantrell, who could also possibly fill that role or fight for that wide receiver for maybe low-end three spots, so depending on what they do with Tyrell. So there are guys on this roster that they can re-sign or that may fill in that spot, but you got to cut the fat here. Benjamin is nothing more than your gadget player, uh, does not warrant the roster spot now, especially, and especially not the money. So I'm cutting Travis Benjamin. Benjamin is also one of my cuts. I would do this in a heartbeat without thinking twice. If I was Tom Telesco, it just makes too much sense to save five and a quarter million dollars. Uh, by eating a million and a quarter. Um, you know, you mentioned it. He had those two big catches in Kansas City. And in my opinion, those two big catches in Kansas City, they justified him being on the team in 2018. But it was not enough to justify keeping him around for 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one thing that scares me here is this feels like a foregone conclusion, or at least it should be. However, we're going to talk about Tyrell here. We keep teasing this. We're going to talk about Tyrell Williams here in a few minutes. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be back. And if he is not back, I would not put it past the Chargers to convince themselves that there will be more opportunity for Travis and that they are com- more comfortable having him here as a quote-unquote veteran leader in the wide receiver group. And they just continue to you know ride or die, so to speak, with Travis without – objectively evaluating him and realizing that he does not have a spot on this team. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen, but he's a guy like I would say if you're talking about chances of him getting cut, it's probably 50-50 because I think Tyrell leaving is going to spook them into keeping Travis. I hope I'm wrong, but that's just my gut feeling. Yeah, no, it's a it's a real possibility. And there's some other moves that might spark 
some other moves on the roster as well. There's kind of a um, some moving pieces that could uh, come mm-hmm. along and spark some other moves. So so we'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, give me your second cut. My second cut is, and this is, in my opinion, the most likely one to happen, is Corey Legit. Um, Legit is due, he has a cap number of $9.5 million this year. Uh, he has a dead money number of a million and a half. That's what's left on his prorated bonus um, on his contract. If you recall last year, after it was announced that he was suspended for the PED, for popping positive for PEDs, the team went to him and they renegotiated his contract and they basically moved all of the money that was owed to him in 2018 to 2019, um, convo- converted a bunch of it to bonus, converted a bunch of it to base pay, and they eliminated his tw- the 2020 year of his contract, which was supposed to be the final year of his contract. So in my opinion, they seriously considered cutting Legit last offseason and went to him and said, hey, you're gone or – we can chop your salary down, make it so that we're not paying you anything in 2018 while you're suspended, and then we're going to part ways next year. And I think that's kind of how this is setting up. So I think he is the most likely one to get cut. It would save the team $8 million. It makes a lot of sense. You know, he's not, It's not so much that he's old. It's just that he's not as productive as they envisioned him being when they signed him to the contract. Uh, now you're having guys like Damian Square and Darius Phylon step up behind him and assume larger roles in the defense. He is just not the key contributor they thought he would be, and to be continuing to pay him $9.5 million, in my opinion, it just doesn't make sense. They can win without him. They can be extremely productive without him on defense. They just don't need him. So I think he's the most likely one to go. Uh, on the flip side of that, you mentioned moves that could tr- – trigger other moves or non-moves on this roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chargers have two of their defensive tackles, who I just mentioned, Phylon and Square are free agents. Actually, three of them, excuse me. Also, Brandon Meebane is a free agent. And Meebane, we'll talk about him here shortly, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he retires. And if he retires, depending on what happens with Phylon and Square, you could see the Chargers in a similar situation to the one that they're in with Travis Benjamin, where they say, oh, we kind of want to keep the veteran around Maybe we restructure, give him another year, and move some money around again to buy us some time and kind of kick the can down the street. So that could happen. I don't think it will, but there's a slight chance. So if I was going to handicap him getting cut, I'd say, you know, probably 85, 15, 75, you know, 80, 20, somewhere in that range that he gets cut. Uh, but there is, a, there is a chance there that they could kick the can down the street another year. Uh, depending on what happens with the other three defensive tackles on the roster. Yep, yeah, it's kind of a domino effect. We'll see how it goes. But uh, Corey Legion's on my list too. Saving eight million dollars would be a uh, would be very good for Tom Telesco. That's a big chunk of change. And while he played pretty well this year, uh, still doesn't warrant the price tag. And you know, with Phylon and Square, who are both free agents, they also. We're ready to get rid of him after drafting Justin Jones, in my opinion. I mean, he theoretically could take over for Legion in the interior. Uh, they spent a high draft pick on him. Uh, that's why they wanted him in the interior. So I think the plan is already in place. If somehow all these defensive tackles escape the Chargers and they have no depth, then they'll probably be stuck with Legion, like with Travis Benjamin. But, uh, yeah, I think Legion is the most likely to get cut of the group so far. Uh, my last cut is probably the least likely to get cut, but somebody I would make a cut in a heartbeat, and that's Jalila Dye. 
<laughs> Adai has the potential out in his contract this offseason. If the teams decide not to pull the trigger, he's locked into a two-year, $12.5 million deal. No doubt that Adai was the weak link on defense. He's been squeezed out of his strong safety spot by Derwin James. He can't hang at free safety, which means his DB spot is gone. I would cut a die. You'd save the team $5 million. That's another extra chunk of change. You can spend a free agency, and there's just too many bodies in that DB group. And I think a die is the odd man out. The team loves a die. They probably won't cut him, but they should. Yeah, he's my last cut as well, and I agree <laughs> with pretty much everything you said. Um, he is not an NFL free safety. Uh, he was a pretty average NFL strong safety, and he's been outclassed by Derwin James already. Um, but Tom Telesco recently said that he thinks that Jaleel Adai is a tone setter for the defense. Uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call a guy who misses tackles and can't run and can't cover a tone setter, but that's mm -hmm. what they call them. So they mm -hmm. obviously think there's some value there. Uh, and I don't think they'll cut him. I think, you know, I would do it. I think most fans would do it in a heartbeat, but based on the way that Telesco's talked about him, based on the way that Lynn talked about him throughout the season and defended him throughout the season, I do not think they will cut him. I think they will keep him around. What they might try to do is kind of flip-flop roles for him and Adrian Phillips, assuming they re-sign Phillips, and try to get a die back in the box in that dime linebacker type role in the middle of the field because he actually looked you know, decent in that role in the playoffs when they moved him down and they had um, Rayshon Jenkins back at free safety at times. So that's a possibility to look out for. But unfortunately, I think we're stuck with the die for the duration of his contract because the team has convinced themselves that he's a leader and a tone setter and people feed off of him. And I guess they're just not watching tape. So that's we're stuck with him. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we've gone over restructures. We've gone over cuts. Uh, let's talk about contract extensions. So if you look forward to 2020, uh, there are a list of pretty good players. Philip Rivers is on that list, but... In our scenario, we've already gave him a restructure and gave him a couple more years. Uh, but also on that list is Joey Bosa, Hunter Henry, Melvin Gordon, Mike Pouncey. You given any of these guys extensions? Well, Bosa's going to get a fifth year. He's, they're going to exercise his fifth year option after 2020. So you don't have to worry about him yet. Um, so you have Hunter Henry, who's a free agent after the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. If I was going to extend any of the guys on this list, Henry would be the one, but I think they'll probably wind up using a transition tag on him to kind of lock him down and, and get more time to negotiate with him, kind of like what they did with um, Melvin Ingram a couple off seasons ago. Uh, Jatavis Brown is a free agent after 2019. I think you can wait and see on him. Melvin Gordon is a free agent after 2019 when his fifth-year option expires. Uh, I think they'll franchise him. And I think they'll kind of go year to year with him. I don't think they're going to give him a, a big multi-year deal. He's he's played, I think, one complete season in the NFL in four years. Uh, the knees are kind of bulky, uh, and they keep bringing in running backs behind him. So I'm not sure that they are fully committed to you know making him that guy in the backfield in terms of paying him. Um, who else is on that list? Mike Pouncey is a free agent after 2019. He's a guy at his age. I think you can wait and see with him. So if there was one guy I was going to, I would extend, it's Hunter Henry. But I think Henry and Gordon are controlled with the franchise tags and the transition tags. And I don't think there's anybody on that list whose contract expires uh, after the 2019 season who you have to rush to sign. And I think they'll be in better shape 
with more money to work with in 2020 to try to get something like that done. So I don't, yeah. I'm not extending anybody and I don't expect them to either aside from restructuring Rivers contract. Right. I think I said the 2020 free agent class, but I was looking at Bosa. But yeah, 2019. Uh, yeah, I think of that list, I think you're right. I think Hunter Henry is the guy you'd re-sign, but also you have to kind of wait and see. And I think a transition tag would be a nice option. Gordon and Pouncey both have their injury pass. And I don't know if you have to jump on that train early. Um, so I think you wait and see with Henry and Gordon and see if Pouncey can hold up another year. Also get an idea of what Gordon's looking for. So I don't, there's nobody I think you got to jump out in front of. Uh, maybe Philip Rivers if you uh, were really nervous about it. But we talked about him getting a restructure in our uh, theoretical situation. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I think Joey Bosa gets tagged. I don't think there's any uh, debate about that when he becomes a free agent. So let's go ahead and talk about these internal free agents uh, we're going to do restricted free agent, exclusive rights free agents, and unrestricted free agents. And we'll go ahead and start with the lone restricted free agent, and that is the corner Trevor Williams. So I went back and forth on this one. I do expect the Chargers to retain him, and I would retain him. The question is how do you value him? Do you value him based on the season he had in 2017, or are you concerned that he is more like what he looked like in 2018? So... um there are three options here as a restricted free agent. There is a what is called a right of first refusal tender. There is a second round tender and a first round tender. Uh, the right of first refusal tender is a one year fully guaranteed $2,045,000 contract. Uh, second year is just a shade over $3 million And I mean, sorry, a second round is just a shade over $3 million And the, the first round tender is... Uh, uh, almost four and a half million. So I think you look at tre- at Trevor. You figure he's probably better than what he showed in 2018. Is he really as good as what he showed in 2017? Hard to tell right now. I think the Chargers probably assume that he was just hampered by the injuries and is better than what he showed. So they will tender him. I'm tendering him with a, a low low round right of first refusal tender, one year, two point zero four five million dollars. Um, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if the Chargers placed a second-round tag on him. I just think it's overkill for him. So I think they can protect their rights and and keep him in, t- in town with that uh, right of first refusal tender. Yeah, I would retain Trevor Williams. I think the team does as well. Um, I went back and forth on this as well uh, between a second-round tender and a rights of first refusal. And I ended up going with a second-round tender. I think it gives you a uh, comparable pick. It's not that big of a difference between the two. And, uh, you know, this is theoretically your CB3 now with Michael Davis and Casey Hayward. Maybe there's a team that loved his 17 tape so much that they're willing to take a swing. And if so, you, you know, you got a uh, pretty good pick in the deal. So, uh, you know, we talked about defensive tackle and the dominoes that could fall there. We talked about wide receiver, same thing. And those dominoes, this is another one. Because if they do end up doing the rights of first refusal and somebody loves Trevor Williams' 17 tape and gives him a deal that's a little bit too rich, you then lose your you know borderline corner two, uh, depending on what they think he will be in camp going into 2019. Maybe he competes with Michael Davis. I'd like to see that going into camp. But then, you know, if you lose him, then I think the team starts to think about Jason Verrett at that point. 
But uh, again, we'll get to that in a little bit. Either way, I think you'd like to keep Williams in-house. Um, you compete with Michael Davis. Winner gets the CB2 role. You got a second-round tender. You get some more than reasonable compensation back if a team takes a swing. So I want to retain Trevor Williams in my scenario, and I think the team does as well. I think he'll be on the roster in 2019. I agree. I think he's definitely on the roster. It's just a question, like I said, of how do they value him. Okay, so now we move on to exclusive rights free agents, and there's three of them. Uh, these are players with two years of NFL, NFL experience. The Chargers can either tender a player with a qualifying offer, keeping them on the team, or not tender the player, making them an unrestricted free agent and eligible to sign with any other team. So we'll start with the first one on this list, and it is defensive end Isaac Rochelle. And I think this is an easy one. Rochelle was third on the team in sacks, had his best year to date, with the versatility to run him as the five-tech or flip him inside when they want some speed, I think you offer Rochelle a qualifying offer, keep him on the team as part of your stable of pass rushers. Uh, the Chargers drafted him, developed him. He was a vital part of that defensive line rotation last year. So I think the team agrees with me, and I think Rochelle will be back, and they will tender him. I think they will tender him also. Um, I think you're probably looking, based on what these – um, exclusive rights free agents got last year. I think you're probably looking at a contract somewhere in the neighborhood of 700 to 750,000. Um, and I think they definitely keep them. I, these, these exclusive rights free agents are almost always retained because of they're cheap and it's for one year and it doesn't really cost you anything. So, uh, Rochelle was really good last year. He, he thrived as a three tech and as a five tech played some base end. Um, you know, like you mentioned third in the team in sacks. I think he, was he was definitely better than I thought he would be. Um, took a huge leap from last year, from 2017 to 2018. Yep. And I expect him to be back, and I expect him to probably have a larger role uh, one way or another on that defensive line as a rotational piece. So, um, you know, no, very little, little risk, if any, in keeping him, and I think it's really just an easy decision. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's an easy one. So next exclusive rights free agents on this list is wide receiver Artavis Scott. Uh, again, I think Scott stays. Uh, he was going to make the roster before he hurt his ankle in the final preseason game. He was looking good, returning punts and kicks, looked really good as a wide receiver. He was a consistent target on third down, was making huge plays, is a sharp route runner, maybe one of the better route runners of all the wide receivers on the team right now. Um, I he just he looked like he was primed for a big season before he got hurt. So, again, one year, seven hundred fifty thousand. What do you have to lose? Bring him back. Hopefully, he can chase Travis Benjamin off the roster, uh, one way or another, and uh, a, another easy decision for me. Yep, same here. Yeah, man, Scott had an impressive camp and preseason uh, before going down in that last game of the preseason. That was brutal, man, to go down in the way he did and being such a good player and looking to really taking that next step. Um, you know, we didn't really have high hopes for Scott, but uh, he looked good in the preseason and in camp. This is a low risk and at best uh, become some wide receiver competition. I'm offering Scott the qualifying offer. I think the team does as well. I mean, he was on his way to beating out both Jeremy Scott and Dylan Cantrell for that wide receiver five role uh, on the roster. So, uh, I think the team keeps him as well. And with the uncertainty of Tyrell Williams and maybe even Travis Benjamin's future on the team, they got to get some depth in camp anyway. This is very low risk. It's under a million dollars. You have them for another year. I think uh, they will keep Artavis Scott in-house as well. 
I agree. So last one on this list is the center Cole Toner. Um, I've been pretty indifferent here. Toner was a depth signing, but was inactive every game but one. I would think there might be potential players to bring into camp on the line that might be better. But again, this is a low risk. And uh, I think the team brings him back. I would too, I guess. Um, he they he was one of the team's best fifty three players, so you might as well bring him back as some uh, interior offensive line depth into camp. Uh, it's under a million dollars. Why not? Yeah, I was also indifferent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, you look at the offensive line, and you know, Pouncey kind of regressed at the end of the year. Feeney didn't play very well. Schofield didn't play very well the second half of the year. Uh, Toner is a center. He's listed as a center. He's a tackle by trade he's played guard uh he's a guy who could maybe sneak into like the ninth or tenth offensive lineman role in camp if he has a really good camp i think there are probably better options out there and i think they will bring in other options but you know there's no risk here um even if you wind up cutting him it doesn't really cost you anything so i think he's back i don't think they really think twice about it like i said these exclusive rights free agents they're almost always brought back because of how cost controlled they are. So, and I think that's what happens here. We've agreed on everything so far. Let's go ahead and move on to unrestricted free agents. And we'll start with the linebacker, Denzel Perryman. I think the Chargers will try to re-sign Denzel Perryman. I think they will probably try to re-sign him on a one-year prove-it kind of deal. I think um, I think it's going to be tough to get him to re-sign a one-year deal, though. I wouldn't be surprised if he could find a two- or three-year deal somewhere else. Uh, I think he probably thinks he's worth more than a one-year deal and probably winds up walking, and I'm okay with that. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, as much as I like him and I loved him in the draft process when he came out, uh, he has yet to play a full year as in, in the NFL. He is not very good as a coverage linebacker. He offers very little as a blitzer. Really, his only strength is as a an enforcer in the run game. And even that is, you know, kind of questionable. Is he even the best linebacker on the team right now? So I know the Chargers value him. They think of him as a leader. They think of him as a physical presence. I'm a little worried about the injuries mounting, and I'm kind of seeing a slow developing uh, Donald Butler kind of situation here where the injuries eventually take their toll and kind of zap him of his his physical prowess, his physical ability. Oof. So, God. Yeah. <laughs> Scary, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So I think they try, but I think it comes up short and he winds up finding a bigger deal elsewhere. And I'm not offering him much money, to be honest with you. I, I have a one-year, $3.5 million deal here with very limited uh, in, with very limited signing bonus and a, a whole lot of incentives. Um, so, And I think he eventually winds up walking because of that offer. But that I, I don't I – th- despite them trying, I don't think he's back. This is interesting because, you know, in the four years he hasn't had a healthy season, and while being tagged this tackle machine, he's never had over 71 tackles in a season. So it's not like he's racking up these big numbers. And he's playing in a position, might I add, where guys really do rack up those numbers. So in 2017, the run defense was substantially better when Perryman was healthy. This past season, the Chargers did better without him. Perryman's injury vaulted Adrian Phillips' play, and the defense followed suit. So I think the injuries have hurt Perryman's stock, and he's looking, I'm sure, at a deal in that 3 to $4 million a year. He's probably looking at a two- to three-year deal, and I'm pretty torn here. 
if that's the going rate, I would want a ripcord after the first year and I want it backloaded so that you can cut Perryman if needed. I will say I'm okay with them signing Denzel Perryman. I'm really torn here. I went back and forth, but I think the team is definitely re-signing Perryman with how that year ended with so many linebackers going down and Telesco talking about how linebackers are going to be a focal point this offseason. I think they bring back Denzel. He was the captain of the defense like you talked about, and they're going to need more bodies. I think Telesco would have a real steep hill to climb if they do let Perryman go. So, you know, I don't know. Are they going to let Perryman go and pick up two, line, maybe three linebackers in the offseason? That's a lot. So I, I'm i inclined to say that I, I would pick up Perryman, and I definitely think the Chargers will. Yeah, I could see it going that way. Um, I just think it's more prudent to let him go. And I'm not sure they're going to be comfortable offering him a two or three year deal. So I think that's ultimately what costs them the opportunity to sign him is I think he will get a two or three year deal from somewhere else. And I would say if someone's willing to give him a two or three year deal, uh, more power to him. I'm, I'm, I like him, but I mean, I think if you watch tape of him this year, you know, you see guys like, uh, like Phillips coming downhill and making tackles. And it seemed like Perriman was, sticking to blockers more than he has in the past and he wasn't coming downhill as much he wasn't reacting as fast so uh that those are the kind of things that you saw in butler before he signed his contract and fell off a cliff i don't think perriman's quite as bad as butler was at that point but i think there are some warning signs there so i think you got to be careful i'm just worried that he can't stay healthy and the let the repeated leg injuries knees ankles all this stuff i just think it's it's worrisome for a guy who is in the middle of the field and taking, you know, having to take on blockers and taking hits, uh, you just got to be really careful what you do with him because it could come back to bite you if you're too overzealous in signing him. Um, or you could just flat out get stuck with somebody who can't play anymore. So you got to be careful. Yeah. And that's why I'm only re-signing Perryman in my scenario if there is that ripcord after year one. So it's essentially a one-year deal, but, you know, with that out, if you need it. Um, so... All right, so good. We we got different opinions there on the first one, and this next one uh, we'll actually probably agree. The next one is Tyrell Williams, the wide receiver. And, of course, he had the breakout 1,000-yard season in 16. The yardage has slipped every subsequent season. This past season we saw a very vast improvement in the contested catches area, which was really a weak point for him throughout his career. For the Chargers, Tyrell Williams is really the wide receiver three right now. you got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams going forward. You hope Mike grows into that wide receiver two role. The question becomes, how much is a wide receiver three worth? He's going to make $10-plus million. The free agent wide receiver class has Randall Cobb, Golden Tate, Tavon Austin at the top. Those aren't marquee names. So Tyrell Williams will get his money in this week free agent class, and you're going to have to overpay to get him. I like Tyrell. I think he's growing as a receiver, but it's going to be way too rich for my taste. And the rule of thumb here on these podcasts for me, you don't overpay for a wide receiver or running back of free agency. So I would not re-sign Tyrell Williams at that cost. I would look towards the draft in the middle rounds for a wide receiver. You can give, you know, the rookie Dylan Cantrell a shot, Artavis Scott maybe, uh, some other guys too, but I would not re-sign Tyrell Williams. I think the team tries to do it, and they try to re-sign Tyrell Williams because Tom Telesco did say that Tyrell Williams has earned his next contract, but ultimately I think he's going to be outbid by another team that needs wide receiver help. They will overpay for him, and I think the Chargers will have to just duck out at that point. So 
I would not re-sign Tyrell Williams, and I think the Chargers try, but ultimately get outbid. You know, I, how do you define try? Uh, I think they're going to come in with a pretty low-ball offer and get blown out of the water because they can't afford to pay Benjamin and Tyrell, and I'm not convinced they're going to let Benjamin go. So uh, I have the Chargers letting him go. I'm letting him go. Um, you could have Dallas bidding on another wide receiver. The Colts might be looking for a receiver. The Niners are going to be looking for somebody for Jimmy G to throw to. There are all kinds of teams that are in need of wide receiver help. That market's going to get drone, uh, dr- driven up like crazy. I, you know, when I look at the comps, I think you're looking at people like Paul Richardson, Quincy Anunwa, and Tyler Lockett as solid comps for Tyrell. And I think he tops those guys because of his ability to stretch the field and his size. And I think he's, gonna, I think he's looking at a four-year deal somewhere in the neighborhood of forty to fifty million, with fifteen to eighteen million guaranteed, uh, which are crazy numbers. And I just don't think. You can justify paying him that as the Chargers, as a you know, co number two or number three wide receiver. You, I just don't think you can justify it. So, I like Tyrell. I loved him when they signed him as an undrafted free agent. I think he's come a long way. I don't necessarily think that his dip in production is his fault. I mean, that first year, you know, he was playing without Keenan. Keenan's been back the last two years. That's had a lot to do with his his dip in production. They also throw to the backs a lot. They throw to Mike a lot. There's just a lot of options to throw to, and I just, uh, I just, I, it's hard to spread the ball around. So I don't think it's all his fault. I think his numbers will probably go up somewhat in a new offense as the number one guy, a clear cut number one guy, but I, I just don't think he's a number one wide receiver, and he seems to think he is. So I think he's gone, and I think the Chargers realize that, you know, they can go draft somebody or use one of the three young receivers to replace him in a similar role, and they'll be fine. So, unfortunately, I think Tyrell is gone. He, he has earned his new contract, but it's just not going to be here. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so next up, the safety slash DB slash linebacker, Adrian Phillips. I'm re-signing Adrian Phillips. The team, I think, is definitely re-signing Adrian Phillips. Uh, he is, I think you could make a case that Adrian is the second most important person on that defense, or at least was down the stretch, next to um, Derwin James. Certainly top three with James and Bosa. He was phenomenal, and the growth that he showed this year was just incredible in terms of playing linebacker, running with Tyreek Hill in the second Kansas City game, uh, he ran with Jared Cook. He covered all kinds of tight ends. Uh, I mean, he does everything in the middle of that defense, and he is arguably the smartest, if not the second smartest guy on the defense. So he's homegrown. He's been with the team for five years. They're going to want to keep him. I think they're even going to be willing to overpay to keep him. 
and he is going to get paid, you know, as a all pro special teams player, a pro bowl special teams player. He was first team, all, uh, football writers, um, on special teams. He was also fantastic on defense. Uh, the numbers are going to get a little crazy. I think, you know, they're going to look, they're going to look at Jalil Adai to kind of set the floor, the contract they gave Adai. They're going to start there and it's going to go up. And I think you're probably looking at ultimately at comps from Darian Stewart, the safety, Vince Williams, linebacker for the Steelers and Todd Davis, the linebacker for, um, the Broncos as guys who are solid comps for what Adrian's going to get. And I think you're looking at something in the neighborhood of four years, $26.5 million with $8.5 million guaranteed. And that is a mouthful for a guy who we were debating last year, should they even bring him back uh, as an exclusive rights free agent? Uh, or as a – no, it wasn't as, as an exclusive rights free agent. But we were talking about him – as an undrafted free agent, excuse me. And we went back and forth on, should they offer him one year or three years? And should it be, you know, 2 million, 3 million. Now we're talking about him getting upwards of $7 million a year. So he has come a long way. He has earned it. And he is one of three guys that I would say they absolutely have to resign if they're going to have a successful off season. Yeah. I would say Adrian Phillips is probably priority number one in free agency for the chargers, at least in my book, the impact on the field, on defense, special teams, you got that Pro Bowl nod, like you mentioned. The progression, man, just continues to grow. The versatility really makes him a commodity on this defense and the many shapes his defense can take with him on the field. So I know Phillips isn't technically a starter on the roster, but he logs those starter snaps. And because he's a DB playing linebacker, he might not, he kind of might be a peculiar fit for another team. So the Chargers might be lucky in that respect, in that some teams might not know what to do with him. Because he's kind of almost out of position, he can do so many things, but nobody knows quite what he is. So I would re-sign Adrian Phillips. Um, I had $5 million a year. That's a little less than you did, four years. So, uh, you know, that's a big jump from the one-year $1.5 million contract this offseason. So this is an easy move to make for the Chargers. Again, like I mentioned with the linebackers, if they don't sign Denzel Perryman, resetting Adrian Phillips in essence gives you a player that can fill a DB spot and a linebacker spot. So it kind of relieves some pressure there too as well. So uh, this is priority number one for me. Adrian Phillips has got to get resigned, and I think the Chargers will do it too. Agreed. So then we move on to cornerback Jason Verrett. And after his Pro Bowl season in 2015, Jason Verrett has played five games in three years. He's only had 25 total games in his five-year career. Last year, the team was having a hard time figuring out a spot for Verrett with Hayward and Trevor Williams and Desmond King as the starters going into camp. Michael Davis ended up getting the nod as the starting corner opposite Casey Hayward, and he finished out the season strong. So with Hayward, King, Davis and presumably Trevor Williams, who I think they'll retain. The cornerback group is just too crowded. And the team knows it can't depend on Verrett to be healthy. I would not re-sign Jason Verrett. I think the Chargers are good as long as they can get Trevor Williams back. Again, like I mentioned earlier, if they don't, for whatever reason, get Trevor Williams back in that building, then I think they start to consider it. But you even throw in a guy like Brandon Faison that the team likes – that CB group is just too crowded. So I wouldn't re-sign Jason Verrett, and ultimately I don't think the team e- does either. 
Uh, Tom Telesco said they're uh, considering bringing back Jason Verrett, but by the sounds of it, it's going to be like a take-it-or-leave-it type deal, probably a one-year low-end money-wise, and see if he'll take it and bite. But other than that, I, I don't think they end up retaining it, and I think uh, some team will bet on his upside and look at that 15 tape and what he could be and not the player that we've seen get injured year after year after year. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I would not keep him. I wouldn't even offer him a contract, to be honest with you. Um, you know, five games in three years. They paid him almost $9 million last year to spend the year on the training table after he got hurt during a conditioning test, for crying out loud. Uh, <laughs> the first the first time he ran, too. first time he ran, he yep. tore his Achilles tendon. So, I mean, that <laughs> look, he's, he's a talented player, and we all want him to succeed. Would have been great if he could have stayed healthy and been productive, uh, but it just hasn't happened. And these are concerns that people had about him when he was coming out: was that he was too small and he wouldn't hold up. And they've proven to be true. And I've seen people saying, "Give him one more chance." You know, he's going to stay healthy. He's going to be a star. And you know, I mean, I'm going to pick in an open wound here, but uh, you know, for me, saying he's going to stay healthy and he's going to be a star, waiting for that to happen is kind of like waiting for Gus Bradley to blitz Tom. Tom Brady in a playoff game. Mm, it's just not going to happen. So I'm done. I'm moving on. <laughs> I I can't take it anymore. Uh, it's just time to stop wasting money and wasting time and hoping for something that's never going to happen to happen. So I'm moving on. And I think that the catch here is, you know, they're going to offer him a one-year deal with very little guarantees, if any. It's going to be pretty much all base salary, maybe with some incentives. And you you know you start looking around at cornerback contracts. You know DJ Hayden had a very similar uh, injury history before he signed a three-year, nineteen million dollar deal with Jacksonville last offseason. And I think that's the comp for for Jason Verrett. Maybe a little lighter than that, but something similar, two to three years, no guarantees, big base salary where he's going to have to earn his money every year. And I just don't think you can justify it. I think you know what. I think there's enough data there to know what to expect. And to continue to do the same thing and hope for different results is the definition of insanity. So let's end the insanity and just move on. And I think the Chargers will throw him a bone and offer him a contract because they feel bad and they want it to work out. But I think he's going to wind up playing somewhere else for more money than they're comfortable offering him. And that's fine with me. Yeah. And this is the conversation we had this time last year with Jason Verrett, you know, whether he should stick around for another year or not. And we said, you know, when is enough enough? And everybody kept saying, give him one year, more year, one more year. Well, he had that year and he got injured on the first drill <laughs> that he ever ran in the offseason. So it's done. It's over. I don't think the team resigns him and I wouldn't either. So let's go ahead and move on. And the next guy is a guy you've mentioned a couple times here is defensive tackle Darius Phylon. Yeah, Phylon is a guy we're, we're big fans of him on this podcast. As everybody knows, he's been playing very well. Um, got off to a slow start in his career, but really has picked up his game each of the last two years. And in my opinion, he is the most consistent and most reliable defensive tackle on this roster. He is, I mentioned Adrian Phillips as being one of three players they have to resign. Phylon is one of those players as well. They have to bring him back. I believe they will. And I think there's, they're kind of lucky here because even though he's the best guy on this line, the best defensive tackle on this line, uh, he is not technically a starter, quote unquote, and he has not had a huge breakout year, so he shouldn't be overly expensive. Uh, 
So I, I think they keep him. I would keep him. I think they will keep him. Uh, I don't think he's going to cost a ton of money. I'm looking at a, a, a contract somewhere in the neighborhood of three years, $9 million with a little over $2 million guaranteed. I think they use the contract that they signed Damien Square to in 2016 as a baseline comp, and then they pad it for inflation and for the, the role that he plays on the defense and his production, and he winds up getting you know an extra year and a little bit more money and more guarantees than, than Square did. But I, I would bring him back, and I think they'll bring him back. I'd be surprised if they don't. Yeah, same here. And if Adrian Phillips is priority number one, I think Derry's Phylon is a close second. Uh, proven to be a better defensive tackle starter than Corey Legit. Uh, maybe one of the best defensive tackles on the Chargers roster in general. And has really grown as a pass rusher from a spot. He collected four and a half sacks and four sacks in the last two seasons. Uh, not only creating pressure, but uh, has anchored pretty well in the run game too. Phylon is continuing to grow each year and developed into a key piece on that defensive interior. And with questions about Corey Legit going forward, I think the team and I agree here on Phylon. They drafted him, developed him. He's still rising. I think considering his age, he might get a four-year deal. I would probably give him a three-year deal, but you're about in the neighborhood. I would give him about $3 million a year. So uh, the next defensive tackle here is Brandon Meebane. Now, I agree with you that there might be a chance that he retires here, but uh, I think Meebane has meant more to this team in the locker room than his production on the field. And, you know, for what he is, Meebane did enough to help with the run game at times, but at 34, I just don't see the point in bringing him back. The team drafted Justin Jones. Uh, They drafted him high. He was going to be the replacement on the interior where Telesco said he could play anywhere from zero to three tech. So they envisioned him kicking inside too. So, you know, while I sympathize with what happened with me being this offseason with the death of his infant daughter, and I, you know, I can't even imagine what he had to deal with there. Um, I think ultimately the team moves on and finds a replacement elsewhere. And I think Brandon Meebane hangs it up. I could see the team maybe signing him for another year uh, just because of his impact as a leader. But um, I wouldn't do it, and I don't think the Chargers would, but I think they're thinking about maybe one more year if he doesn't retire. Yeah, so I think this is one of those moves that they leave the ball on Meebane's court, to be honest. Um, I I expect him to retire. Um, You know, We've been critical of Meebane, uh, on this show for the last couple of years. And to be perfectly honest, he exceeded my expectations this year. I thought when he was on the field, he played very well. Uh, you can go back to both of the Ravens games at the end of the season where he basically dominated the line of scrimmage and was a huge part of what they did up front. Uh, he seemed to get better this year as opposed to the last couple of years where it seemed like he was wearing down towards the middle of the season. Uh, and he is, they view, they view him as a leader. They, they view him as a leader on and off the field and guys look up to him and he, and he must be after what he went through this year to come back for the last couple games of the season. He must be, you know, quite the inspiration for a lot of guys on that team. And I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, some part of him that still wants to be in the locker room, but, you know, just on a basic human level, um, as a father of two little girls, if one of my girls passed away early, uh, I'd be devastated and I'd be looking to spend as much time as I could with my family. So the Meebanes live in Nebraska. It's all an awful long way from Los Angeles. I just, I think they put the ball in his court and I think he ultimately decides to retire. I am, this is not a production based thing. This is not an age based thing. This is just a got to do what's best for your family kind of a thing. And I, I think that's what he winds up doing. 
Um, if they wind up signing him for a year, I wouldn't be too upset about it. Um, I think he can still play a rotational role. Uh, I, I just can't imagine going through what he went through with his daughter McKenna. And I hope he and his family are doing well. And I hope everything works out for them. Uh, but my guess is he retires and they kind of play a wait and see game with him and let him make the call. So that we're kind of on the same page there. I don't think he's back, but I don't think it's necessarily because they don't want to bring him back. I just think he makes the call and he retires. You know, not that we're kicking him while he's down, but you know, he's going through an unbelievable situation. I mean, I can't even wrap my head around what happened to him during the season and the fact that he came back and played. Um, that's why, you know, I think just his presence in the locker room might just bring him back for another year. But ultimately I think, you know, with what's going on with his family and everything and being 34, I think he just hangs it up. So we'll see, but um, I would not re-sign Brandon Meebane if they do. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I'm, I'm okay with it. He, d- he has played much better than we had expected. Let's go ahead and move on uh, from one old man to another. <laughs> Let's talk about tight end Antonio Gates. Um, I know Tom Telesco came out and said that he thinks Gates has more touchdowns in him. And I know people are clinging to that, thinking Antonio Gates is going to be back. But look, look, just look at the facts here. This team decided last year that Antonio Gates couldn't help them. And the only thing that brought him back was the fact that Hunter Henry got hurt. With Henry coming back this year and Virgil Green being a blocking tight end, uh, this team is in a position where they need to find another young tight end because Henry's another guy who has not played a full season since he's been in the NFL. And his contract is up after this year. So they, they need to make a decision on him. I expect them to keep him, but I also expect them to look to bring in somebody through the draft, maybe in the middle rounds, who they can develop behind him as a blocker and a receiver. So I think they're going to make the same decision they made last offseason. I think it's pretty clear watching Gates. You know, he set a career high um, for three games without a target this season, had, I think, 11 games with three or fewer catches this season. Uh, He was largely invisible, showed up against the Chiefs, of course. Who doesn't show up against the Chiefs? Um, And looked good in other spots. But, I mean, he's old and he's slow, and they just need to get younger at that position, and it's time to move on. All good things come to an end eventually, and this will too. So it's just time to move on from the Hall of Famer, and I think he probably winds up hanging them up. I know he said he wanted to play one more season, but my guess is if they move on, he will also move on and not want to go somewhere else and start over with a new team. I mean, we went through this last off season, and again, I think it's time to move on from Gates. Hunter Henry, the starter, obviously. And to be honest, I think outside of Virgil Green, they have a true chance to get an impactful tight end in the draft, like you mentioned. I haven't gotten in-depth on these guys yet, but just watching college football on Saturday – there should be a lot of good tight end prospects worth grabbing in this draft, especially in the middle round. So uh, I would not re-sign Gates. And again, I think like last year, the team won't re-sign Gates. And I think you're looking towards the draft when you're looking at another tight end on this roster, another young one who can play behind Hunter Henry, who has been injured quite often throughout his career. So you do need a backup plan, and Virgil Green ain't it. We saw it. Virgil Green had his chance and proven to be nothing more than a blocking tight end that can catch a few targets from time to time. But um, I think they will look towards the draft to replace him, and they will not bring back Antonio Gates. So then we move on to the next name on this list, which is defensive tackle Damian Square. Uh, Square's another guy that took a jump this year. 
He had his most productive year to date. The Chargers moved him around a lot, which I liked, um, and something we've talked about. He's been kind of playing out of position at tackle. They kicked him out to end in 2018. He's a depth piece worth holding on to, in my opinion. Really helped pitch in in the defensive rotation. Uh, Square signed a two-year, $4 million deal in 2017, so that's probably the ballpark this time, too. Uh, he should probably get a $1 to $2 million annually. No more than two years on the deal. I think the team re-signs square two. Uh, it's a good depth signing, and it makes a lot of sense. So I think they end up doing it. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll start at that two-year, $4 million contract that he signed in the 2016 offseason. And obviously, they'll account for some inflation and for improved production. I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of two years, probably five to $6 million, um, with right around a million and a half to $2 million guaranteed. Uh, and he's earned it. I mean, you know, he played very well as a starting base end um, after the first four games when they took Isaac Rochelle out of that role and put Square in that role. He did a lot of the dirty work against the run, was providing a, a pass rush off the edge, looked very, very good, and continued to play well throughout the season. He's just one of those, you know, kind of lunch pail, blue collar, hardworking guys who just always comes to play and gives you his best effort. And he does it playing multiple positions and he's frequently playing out of position like you mentioned. So he's one of those glue guys. I think you know, you talk about Phylon, you talk about um uh Phillips, you talk about Square. These are all guys who are really glue guys that really helped hold the defense down when they were in trouble, when Bosa was hurt, um, you know, when they weren't getting production out of their linebackers. These guys all pitched in and they all made huge contributions and now they've earned their new deal. So I, um, I, I definitely think Square would be back. I would re-sign him. I think the Chargers re-sign him. I don't think it's a particularly difficult decision. And because he's 29 going on 30, he shouldn't be too expensive, and it sh- you shouldn't have to sign him for more than a couple years. So next one here, let's talk about the linebacker, Kyle Emanuel. So I went back and forth on Emanuel um, only in that I was trying to figure out what they would do. Uh, I know what I would do. Uh, I would let Kyle Emanuel walk. I know they see him as a valuable piece on special teams. I've heard him referred to as a, quote, core special teamer. Uh, Even though he was not among the top five Chargers um, in special teams tackles this year, uh, I don't know that he's quite the core special teamer they think he is. You also see him struggle in coverage. He's basically only good as an edge setter, which in today's NFL, NFL, you kind of look at him as a defensive relic. He's not a pass rusher. He really shouldn't be playing in the middle of the defense, even though they think he's a suitable backup at Mike and Will. Uh, he just doesn't really have a place on this team, even as they are looking for more linebackers. So I would let him walk. That said, I think the Chargers will resign him. Uh, I think it's not as easy of a decision as we might think. You know, Emmanuel made $1.9 million last year. I think he's going to be making somewhere between two and a half and three million this year which is kind of scary for a guy who you know going in is probably going to see a reduction in his snaps as Echeno Nwosu continues to improve and get more snaps. And he may not even be one of the best five or six special teamers on this roster. So what are you really paying him two and a half to $3 million for? That said, I think they resign him. I think it's kind of a waste of money, but I think you're looking at a two-year deal worth somewhere right around $6 million and about $250,000 guaranteed, which is a whole lot of money to pay a special teams player who can't run. Echeno Nwosu was drafted as a successor to Kyle Emanuel 
as Gus Bradley's auto. He's very good as your disciplined run edge setter. Uh, always been a liability in coverage. The Chargers had him standing up this year as a middle linebacker. I think that was the team trying to find a role for him, but just not having anything. Signing Emmanuel makes sense as a backup Sam. I'm pretty torn on this, depending on what the team believes his role will be. Because if you're saying he's your backup Sam and he's not getting a ton of snaps, then you're probably looking at a $2 million range, not that $2.53 million range. But I know the team loves Emmanuel, so I think it's a slam dunk for them to keep him. My fear is they're going to run him on the field too often again. And uh, they're going to have a hard time relegating him to his backup role like I would like. So if you're talking a two-year, $4 million deal for a backup Sam, I'm okay with it. I don't love it, and I think they could get better. So I I am torn. But I think the team definitely brings back Kyle Emanuel. Yeah, I think there's a a cost-benefit analysis that has to go on here that really should end in them not bringing him back. But I I absolutely think they will. I think – they're going to sell him as that, you know, uh, special teams standout and the best edge setter on the team. And he's also a guy who does work very hard and he does whatever the coaches ask him to do uh, without really complaining. They move him around. They've had him play all three linebacker positions. So I think he's a coach's favorite, kind of a coach's pet, and he's going to wind up coming back on the team. Uh, and we're going to watch him getting burned in coverage and struggling to fill his role as a quote-unquote starter, even though he doesn't really belong on the field on defense. Next up is wide receiver Jeremy Davis, and this is a guy that's kind of stuck around at the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart. Uh, This year we saw his role expand on special teams. I think that, and with the wide receiver depth kind of up in the air with Benjamin and Tyrell again, I think he earns another spot on the team going into camp. I think the team will probably agree with me here. It's a low risk, probably little cash involved. Davis earns one year, 770000 last offseason. Again, somewhere around a year, no more than two years. Somewhere under $1 million is not a big commitment. Uh, worth some competition in camp with the uncertainty of guys like Benjamin and Tyrell. So I would re-sign Jeremy Davis, and I think it's easy. I think the team will re-sign Jeremy Davis as well. I agree. I think he's going to wind up being probably at least the fourth wide receiver on the team, if not higher, depending on what happens to Travis Benjamin. Um, I think his special teams prowess, and he was very, very good on special teams late in the year. I think that is what winds up keeping him on the team. I think you're looking at a deal somewhere in the neighborhood of one year, 850000 with maybe $100,000 guaranteed, somewhere in that range. Very minimal commitment, small guarantee. It basically it winds up working out like one of those uh, exclusive rights free agents that we talked about earlier, where you're basically not paying him anything. You bring him into camp. If he sticks, great. If not, you move on. It doesn't cost you anything. All right. So we only have a few more names left on this list, four to be exact. And the next one is the quarterback, the backup quarterback, Geno Smith. Bye-bye. I think the team is going to be looking to hand the backup quarterback job to Cardell Jones this year. Uh, Geno despite outplaying Cardell in training camp, uh, did not look very good in the garbage time that he played in, struggled with snaps, struggled making good throws. He's just not very good, and there's really no reason to stick around with him or stick with him. So I think Gino got his one year kind of as a favor from 
his former uh, his former coach in New York, and he's going to be looking for work elsewhere. I do not see a reason to bring him back, and I don't think the Chargers will either. Yeah, I don't really care about this, to be honest with you, but I went the other direction, only because, you know, drafting a quarterback is going to come soon for the Chargers. And if they do, I like the idea of the rookie having to go through Geno Smith and Cardell Jones as like a gauntlet to earn that backup <laughs> quarterback spot. <laughs> Not that that's a tall task, but, you know, he can win favor with two guys who the coaches seem to like, especially Cardell. Uh, last season, Geno only got one year, $1 million. So I, I don't care if they kick the can again. I think the team actually signs Geno, and the reason I think they sign him is because they want to give Cardell a shot at the backup quarterback spot, but they don't want to give it to him. So they want him to earn it. And if you've got a guy that's making a million dollars, it's not that big of a deal to cut him later if Cardell wins it. But I think they want to give him some competition. So I think they end up bringing Geno Smith back. I could see it. I would too, but not. I'm not very passionate about it, to be honest with you. I, I don't even care. I just like the idea of having a rookie go through Geno Smith and Cardell Jones. I just The humor in it uh, <laughs> makes me bring Geno Smith back. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to the safety Jalen Watkins. Now, last season, the free safety spot was up for grabs. They had Rayshon Jenkins, Jaleel Adai, Desmond King, and Jalen Watkins all competing for that last free safety spot. And today, and as we always knew, Jaleel Adai can't play free safety, uh, and Des King should not be playing free safety. So that's two guys. you got Ray Sean Jenkins, who I'm sure will get his chance in camp again at the free safety spot, but they never really got a great look at Jalen Watkins. He was doing pretty good in camp, but they never got an extended look. So Watkins would serve as a free safety depth, and he could play corner, but he was also a standout as a special teamers in Philadelphia, so... I say why not bring back Jalen Watkins? I think the team gives him a shot too. His contract was one year, $880,000 this past offseason. Sure, under a million dollars again for a year. Uh, see if he can stick. It's another low commitment. Uh, you could get some free safety depth in there and kind of improve your special teams as well. Yeah, we're on the same page here. Um, I, this is another one I don't don't really necessarily care about, but... <laughs> <laughs> we're getting down to that part of we the are we're, we're almost done but uh i i think they bring him back um i i kind of teetered back and forth do you bring him back do you not um i settled on letting him walk but i'd be okay with bringing him back just because low risk potential high reward he was a guy who was said to be having a really good camp before he got hurt in the second preseason game there were even starting to be some whispers that he might be in the front runner to win that free safety job before he got hurt. Uh, so I, they liked something in him enough to bring him in the first time. They didn't get the look like you mentioned. So I think they bring him back and give him another go at it. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Rayshon Jenkins. You add Jalen Watkins. Maybe you talk about moving um, Adrian Phillips to free safety. Uh, all of this hopefully transpires to help the Chargers move uh, Jalil Adai out of that free safety spot and maybe use him as a backup linebacker or a dime linebacker um, and get him out of the middle of the field on the back end. So you create some competition, you get another look at him, maybe you help the special teams. There are some advantages there, and I think it makes sense. So I think they re-sign him somewhere around 900000 maybe a couple hundred guaranteed, very minimal outlay for a potential bigger reward. Yep, definitely. Okay, last two. First one here is Hayes Pilar, the linebacker. Bye. He's gone. 
um, they they basically did everything they could to avoid putting him on the field when they were out of linebackers last year. So uh, I do not see him coming back. I mean, he he got cut. They brought him back and put him on uh, the practice squad. He stayed on the practice squad for the majority of the season when they finally brought him off the practice squad after they finally put Kaiser White on the injured reserve. He hardly ever played, despite being the most experienced and the biggest linebacker on the team. He couldn't see the field. So I just don't see they seem, I don't think they see much value in him. He did not play much in, on special teams. I do not think he is back. Yep, I agree with you here. Uh, we were actually both surprised that he was cut coming out of camp. Uh, he had a pretty good preseason and offseason. So, uh, you know, even with that, there's depth concerns at linebacker. I still don't think Hayes Pollard is coming back. I wouldn't re-sign Hayes Pollard. I don't think the team does either, and I hope they find better options this offseason. The last guy on this list we haven't been passionate about, I'm pretty passionate about, <laughs> is punter Donnie Jones. And I say, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think if the Chargers learned anything this year, really, it's that you can't bring a punter out of retirement, or semi-retirement for that matter. <laughs> uh Jones is a 45-year-old who punted like he's 60 last year. Uh, no hang time. His gross punting average was pathetic. His net punting average was pathetic. Uh, he started having issues with having his punts blocked because he was taking too long getting them out towards the end of the season. He just is not very good, and they can't go into next season uh, with him as the punter. I don't care. Oh, and they also brought him in to hold kicks, and he bobbled a kick in, yeah. in the playoffs. And cost uh, cost Michael Badgley what was that like a fifty four yard kick in in Baltimore? Mm-hmm. So if his strength was holding and he's bobbling bobbling snaps and he can't punt, I really don't see much reason in bringing him back. So it is time to bring somebody else in. I think Ty Long probably winds up getting a nice long look as the kickoff specialist and the punter. Hopefully he seals it up so we don't have to watch too much punter tape. Not that I was going to watch it anyway, but uh, nope, I'm done, and I think the team is done. Yep, he's gone, and let's hope Ty Long gets a long look at punts and kickoffs, and that does it. We're done. This is a long-ass podcast. We didn't do one after the season, and I think we made up for it because we've got two podcasts combined on this one show. So... Thanks, everybody, for listening. I am at Garrett60 on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore Round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.